Hello and welcome to the Her Head and Films podcast. I'm your host. My name is Caitlin. I'll make the preamble short. This is a mini episode. I usually do longer episodes. I've done this podcast since 2016, if you're a new listener. And I usually do episodes that are more in-depth, but because of the circumstances of my life, mainly being a caregiver for my mom, on top of working, on top of all kinds of different things. I just have too much stress and my time is too limited for me to do in-depth episodes anymore or for the foreseeable future. But I still want to do episodes. I still want to talk about films. And so I found this compromise of creating these mini episodes where I talk about one or two aspects of a film that I find compelling and hopefully people respond to that or react to it or find something valuable in it. And today I want to talk a little bit about Lost Highway by David Lynch. I woke up thinking about it and I decided to share some thoughts I saw it a little while back. There are things about it that I've been thinking about. If you're looking for an in-depth exploration of this film, if you want somebody to decode it and tell you all kinds of theories, I can't offer that. So turn back. (laughs) Don't waste a half hour or more of your life listening to this. If you're a huge David Lynch fan and you want me to just go into everything about Lost Highway, this is a very personal podcast. It can get emotional at times. I talk about my life and things that I connect to about a film, and I just want to talk about a couple of things in this film that I find compelling, and that's it. I'm not part of, like, the David Lynch fandom. I like him. I love the way that he talks about creativity in particular. He's actually had a really big impact on my life in that way, where I love watching interviews where he talks about creativity and connecting to your creativity. And that's something that I've been trying to do more. I consider myself a writer. That's the way that I release, I guess, what's inside of me. It's my form of creativity and artistic experience. Expression. And I've just always connected to the way he talks about creativity. He uses like the metaphor of catching the fish and things like that. He also is really into transcendental meditation. I don't do that type of meditation, but I have definitely experienced benefits from meditation and I appreciate that he gets people interested in that. I think he's a fascinating guy. I'm sure eventually I'll watch most of his films. And I have been watching them because they intrigue me, but his films leave me perplexed, right? And that's why I think I have trouble with him at times because I watch these films and I don't even know what to make of them or what to think of them. And so in that way, I can't say I'm part of the fandom because I don't even know how I feel about some of these things. I'm trying to find a level of comfort with things that I don't fully understand. Mystery is a good thing. I don't think we need to understand every single thing about a film. And there are things about it that will remain mysterious. My favorite David Lynch film is Inland Empire. That's the one that haunts me the most. So he's a fascinating director, and I still don't know totally how I feel about him or what I think about all of his films. Sometimes I feel like I don't have the language to talk about them because they are so different and there's things about them that are so outside of language, I think. You really have to experience his films 
This isn't really related to anything, but I was just sitting outside on the porch before recording this episode. I was having my breakfast outside. I've been thinking more about how to bring creativity into all parts of my life. I really love Thomas more. I guess people would put him under the banner of self-help. I really don't believe that that is an accurate description of his work. I've been reading Care of the Soul, and I just highly recommend this book to anybody listening. Calling him self-help is like calling bell hooks self-help. Bell Hooks writes, has written some books about love, communion, and all about love. In some ways, those books would be considered self-help. And in another way, I think that term does not encompass what she did with those books. And I think it's the same with Thomas More. And I was watching an interview where he talked about creativity doesn't just have to be when you're writing or painting or whatever. He said that you can bring creativity into all parts of your life. Cooking can be creative. The way that you decorate the space in your house or your home, like your bedroom, your living room, that can be creative. And I loved that idea that like your entire life can be creative. And I've been going through a lot of changes and transformation the last year or so because of the pandemic, because of just different things going on in my life. And I feel like really what's happened with me is that I'm creating myself for the first time in my life. I'm in my early 30s and I feel like I'm creating myself and that's very powerful. So I was sitting outside on the porch and I've like, I've tried really hard to make it a really beautiful space. I bought a beautiful wreath. I bought a wind chime and just different things to make that space more positive. And I was sitting out there and I was watching the birds. I live in the rural South. So there's trees, meadows, and forests, and it's very rural where I live, and it's beautiful now. It's spring as I record this. The trees are lush, and the grass is like this bright green, and the sky was so blue, and I was watching the birds in our yard, and I was like, there's a whole life out here just outside my door. There is this teeming world of animals and nature, and it was just so nice to be connected to that. And so I urge you to do that. Anybody who's listening, try harder to get outside, get connected to nature. I've been changing my relationship to social media. I've been trying harder to be more detached with it, to spend less time on it, and to connect to my real life. To connect to the grass, the trees, the birds, to books, to art. Create a a world of art for myself and beauty. That is life. I want to still have social media. I get inspired by it. I don't believe you need to eliminate it, but I realized how wrapped up I got in it. And it's really nice to get away from it, to put the boundaries down, to get more detached, but get more attached to my life, to my reality. And if you think about it in this film, a break with reality happens. So now I do want to talk about Lost Highway. This has a very shocking plot twist in the middle of the film. And obviously there are going to be spoilers in this episode, and I'm assuming that anybody who's listening has seen this film. And what I really want to talk about with this film is that plot twist. I want to talk about a few things, but that plot twist is very fascinating to me. Bill Pullman, who's playing Fred Madison, he's put on death row for murdering his wife, Renee, who's played by Patricia Arquette. He's put on death row 
and we see him there. And then I think he has like a headache or something like that. And at some point in the middle of the film, Bill Pullman is no longer there. Somebody He has transformed or become a different character who's played by Balthazar Getty, and he's named Pete Dayton. So Bill Pullman disappears. <laughs> he's on death row and he's gone. And we have Balthazar Getty. And Balthazar Getty because he's not Bill Pullman, right? Because he's not Fred Madison, I guess I should say, is released from prison and allowed to go back to his life. And in that life, he meets Alice, who is also Patricia Arquette, as a blonde. As Renee, she was dark-headed. As Alice, she's blonde. And then there's a whole plot with that. Again, this is not an in-depth episode where I'm going into anything. I'm talking more about ideas in the film. And so that is that was fascinating to me when that plot twist happened. And I was like, okay, this is why I have trouble with David Lynch. What do I make of this? How do I interpret this? Sometimes I feel like my interpretive abilities are really challenged by his films. What do I do here? So I went and I was reading some interviews with David Lynch about this film. I'll share two quotes that I really love from an interview he did with Filmmaker Magazine. This is the first one. Quote, Sometime during the shooting, the unit publicist was reading up on different types of mental illness, and she hit upon this thing called psychogenic fugue. The person suffering from it creates in their mind a completely new identity. New friends, new home, new everything. They forget their past identity. This has reverberations with Lost Highway, and it's also a music term. A fugue starts off one way, takes up on another direction, and then comes back to the original, so it relates to the form of the film. Unquote. The way that I took this plot twist was the idea, this is my interpretation, that I believe that on death row, Fred Madison is in so much denial about what he's done and that he has murdered his wife, that he fabricates this entire other identity in his mind, and that that's Balthazar Getty. I have no idea if this is an acceptable theory. <laughs> this is my understanding of the film. This is what I feel is happening. He cannot accept what he did to his wife, that he has to like fabricate this entire other life and this other narrative that helps him maybe justify why he murdered her. It's not clear why he murdered Renee. He is impotent. Early on in the film, we see a scene, a sex scene between them where he's not able to perform, but she's very supportive. He does believe that she's having an affair. He's obsessed with this idea that she's cheating on him. He has to, for some reason, destroy her, perhaps because of his own impotence, because of his own insecurities. It's not clear why he murders her. So I think he fabricates this other identity because he can't face what he has done. And it's a film about very deep denial. And I think the tapes are interesting in this film. The reason that I decided to watch Lost Highway it's a few reasons. One of my friends shared a scene with me of the Robert Blake scene where Robert Blake goes to see Fred at a party and he says, oh, call your house. I'm there. But then he's right in front of uh, Fred and it's this very strange scene. Robert Blake plays the mystery man and I was intrigued by that. And then I went and I rewatched Michael Haneke's Cachet and that's also a film where people get mysterious videotapes and they don't understand why they're getting them. Hanukkah did a great interview where he was like, if you come out of the film wanting to know who sent the tapes, 
you're looking at the wrong thing. That's not what the film is about. I knew that Lost Highway had this these tapes in it. And so after I watched Cache, I was like, oh, I think I'll watch Lost Highway. I'd also read an article about it and I was intrigued by a lot of things and I was in a noir mood. And so there are these tapes in Lost Highway and one of the tapes captures the murder of Renee. And I think these tapes are a really fascinating device in the film. I think the mystery man is also a very fascinating device as well. I've been thinking about these elements of the film for a while. It's been sort of brooding in my mind. For me, the tapes are possibly memories like buried memories, the things that we've done that we can't face, or even the traumatic moments of our lives that we can't look at anymore, and we bury them inside of ourselves. But the thing is, is that things are always going to surface. And so I went through an experience recently where something from my past was triggered. I got news about a family member. I don't want to go into details about everything, but this family member was connected to a really difficult part of my life. The time after my father died and the way that this family member treated me and my mom, hearing about this family member was actually deeply triggering for me. And I had a physical reaction to it. I think sometimes we believe that we've put the past to rest or that we've moved on from things and we realize that we haven't at all. And I was having a conversation with one of my close friends. I was talking about how I was triggered and stuff and I was struggling with some of these memories of the way that this person treated me and how it was connected to current things as well and the way another person treated me and the way somebody made me feel like I was nothing. I think all of those things together were being triggered. And she told me something like, you know, everything surfaces. Nothing's really buried. Everything comes back to the surface. And I've been thinking about that and what she said to me. And then I got to thinking again about Lost Highway. That's what the mystery man is for me too. And that is what the tapes are as well. That the tapes are these buried memories that never stay buried. No matter how much time passes, no matter how much work you think you've done on yourself to let it go, there are these ugly memories, these painful things. And Bill Pullman, you know, is Fred, Fred murdering Renee. That's a pretty dark memory. And he's tried to suppress it and push it down. And it won't won't go down. And the tape is that memory coming back to him of what he's done and the violence that he did to a woman, to a woman who loved him and cared about him. And he decided to annihilate her. And her murder on that tape is gruesome. And I immediately thought of the Black Dahlia and Elizabeth Short. It reminded me of that. And when I read this David Lynch interview, he confirmed that he was inspired by the Black Dahlia. I'm true crime obsessed, I'll be honest. And I grew up watching shows about the Black Dahlia. And I've always been haunted by her murder and the way that she was completely obliterated by her murderer. Cut her in half. He dismembered her. He made her nothing. He made her into an object for him to cut up. His hatred for women must be so deep. 
for him to have been able to do that. And perhaps with Fred, there's a hatred of women coming to the surface, a blame, him blaming Renee for his sexual incompetence, because that's what happens. Often women will get blamed for men's insecurities and their inability to do things. I appreciate that David Lynch shows violence against women, and he shows it in a pretty brutal way, and he shows what that violence does to men that they live in a culture that encourages them to sexualize and objectify women in the way that obviously that dehumanizes women, but it also dehumanizes men. Women are more likely to be murdered by men that they know than they are to be murdered by strangers. They are murdered by boyfriends and husbands and fathers and friends. The men that we fear most are the men we trust and love. And David Lynch gets at some of that. He gets at that evil and that darkness and the way that men harm women in really terrible ways. And I know so many women in my own life who are having to heal and recover from the trauma that men have done to them. That is a common story for women. It's not a common story for men in their lives. So I appreciate that Lost Highway shows that violence against women in a very explicit way. The annihilation that happens. But things are going to come to the surface, like I said. And that's what the tapes represent for me. And it's very haunting that Robert Blake, first of all, was in a film adaptation of In Cold Blood, the Truman Capote book where he played a murderer. And then decades later, and just a few years after Lost Highway, he goes on trial for murdering his wife. He was not convicted of it, but I do believe that Robert Blake was involved in his wife's murder. I've watched shows about it and done a little bit of research, and I do believe he was involved. I don't know if he pulled the trigger, but I'm comfortable saying he may have had somebody pull that trigger for him. And so we have a film about violence against women, about the murder of a wife. And then one of the, the actors, Robert Blake, just a few years later, is involved in his own wife's murder. That's a haunting part of this film as well. And so the tapes are fascinating, like I said, because we can't bury things and we think that we can and we can't. And then sometimes when they come to the surface, they're so incomprehensible to us. It's so impossible for us to even accept all these things that are haunting us that then we fabricate an entire other life in order to escape it. And it doesn't have to be that you murdered somebody, right? I mean, obviously Fred is trying to escape his guilt that he murdered his wife. But for me, it's like dissociation almost or like unable to deal with a traumatic event and so maybe you fabricate a fantasy world or a dream world. I think in a lot of ways I've done that, where I've lived more in my dreams because I couldn't deal with some of the trauma of my own life, which is mainly when I lost my dad. I lost quite a few people in a short period of time when I was in my late teens. Went to like all these funerals of family members. My grandmother died. My uncle died. Just a couple of years after my dad died, all these things happened. I didn't have any help to get through it. And that trauma, I think, stays with us. It stays inside of us. And we try to just live with it and carry it. And sometimes we bury it. I thought I had moved on in some ways from some of those things. And then when I got word about this family member, and I felt very triggered physically. My heart was pounding and my body felt it. I was really struggling with what I was feeling. And I realized, oh, 
I have to face some of this. I have to deal with what happened all those years ago because it's been quite a few years. I mean, it's been 16 years since my dad passed away and all of that happened. And it's like, oh, there's still some stuff here that's coming to the surface and that I wasn't able to completely bury because it always comes up and it's always there. And so I realized that I have more work to do with some of these things. And I realized how present experiences were being affected by things from my past. Somebody I met and the way that he treated me, that that was triggering, that was also triggering things from my childhood. All of it was just kind of swirling inside of me. And so nothing's ever buried, and I do think that things come to the surface. And once they come to the surface, what are you going to do with it? Fred can't handle it. Fred goes into that psychogenic fugue where he fabricates another identity, becomes a different person in his mind, and is completely detached from himself. And in the past, maybe I would have lost myself in my dream world. Maybe I would have fled all of these feelings. Maybe I would have gone to something self-destructive to handle all my emotions that were being triggered. And I can't do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. You can take what surfaces and you can try to bury it again. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what Fred's trying to do in a way? He creates this other identity so that he doesn't have to face what he's done or face um, the violence he inflicted on a woman he loved or thought he loved. And he's trying to bury it again because he doesn't want to look at it. He doesn't want to look at what those tapes showed him. For me, the things that have started to surface again now in my early 30s from when I was a teenager, things are starting to rise to the surface because they always want to do that, don't they? And they haunt us. I don't, I can't bury them again. I can't silence them again. I have to face them in a healthier way. I have to deal with those emotions and those feelings and those triggers and those fears. I have to try to cope with those better in a way that doesn't hurt me more. Because sometimes when we try to escape the pain, we can use things that cause us more pain, like addictions that can hurt us in the long run, even though in the short run, they might give us comfort or they might soothe us. That's sort of the struggle for me is, well, what do I do with all these things that are coming to the surface? And I think for me, it might be being creative, writing, journaling. That might be one of the ways that I cope with these things from the past that are coming to the surface for me. And I'll end also on another thing that I liked about the film, which was some of the doubling. I mean, in a way, Fred is doubled by Pete, played by Balthazar Getty, so that's a little bit of doubling. And then there's doubling with the Patricia Arquette character, where she plays Renee, and she also plays Alice. And I felt like that spoke to the idea that there are parts of ourselves that we don't fully understand. And in that Filmmaker Magazine interview, this was an exchange. So the interviewer says... For me, what goes on in the film on a psychological level is that the senses of self get confused. Have you ever had that feeling of dissociation from yourself? David Lynch replied, oh yeah, there's really many characters inside of us, I think. And the interviewer said, so would you say that what we call I, what we think of as ourselves, actually contains a multitude? And Lynch says, it's a complicated business. That part of that interview has been rattling around in my brain. It's a complicated business. 
there are many characters inside of us. With some of the doubling in Lynch's films, he's getting at that. That's something that I've really started to think more about is like, there are parts of me that I don't even understand. And maybe there are versions of ourselves and maybe we're different versions based on who we're talking to, who we're around, what part of our life we're in. Sometimes I look back at who I was five years ago, like something I posted on social media or whatever. And I'm like, do I still believe that? Am I that person? Who am I now? I feel like I don't know myself because I've been going through changes and facing things and trying to heal from stuff and trying to change my behavior, trying to develop better coping skills. I've really been trying to grow and get on a better path and take better care of myself mentally, emotionally, physically, been trying to love myself. I've just been going through this whole period of wanting to know myself in a deeper way. And I've started to realize, will I ever fully know myself? I think there are mysterious parts of ourselves. There are parts of ourselves even that are inaccessible. And it's interesting how we can meet people or we can go through experiences and it's almost like they open a door inside of us and we suddenly have access to areas of ourselves that we didn't previously have access to because of what a person can trigger, what a person can bring to the surface. And that can be a very emotionally violent experience. Desire does that. Sometimes you meet someone, you feel attracted to them and you have desire for them. You don't understand why you're attracted to them. You don't understand the effect that they have on you. In a way, sometimes you can feel like you're meeting yourself. You can feel like this eerie identification with another person and that you have all these things in common. And that can be very strange. Will I ever know everything about myself? Probably not. Because there's all these characters inside. And with Fred, he creates Pete. And that's a character inside himself, possibly. We are mysterious. We do com contain multitudes, right? We will never fully understand everything about ourselves. That's fascinating to contemplate and to think about. And the film taps into that and makes us very aware of it. That um, we contain a lot of mystery. We contain a lot of dark, ugly parts. <laughs> like parts of us that are not pretty. And that's there as well. You know, Fred gives into the evil. Fred allows the evil. And I think the mystery man is an embodiment of the dark parts, of the shadow, of the ugly things inside of us. Anger, jealousy, desire that gets out of control, possessiveness, hatred, bitterness, all kinds of things. But those are part of us. Everything's part of us. How do you come to terms with, you know, like we can be petty. We can be cruel. I love that Tori Amos song, Cruel, where she says, I can be cruel. I don't know why. I love that. I love that lyric. I don't know why. Sometimes we act in ways that we don't understand and we don't know the why. And with true crime, everybody wants to know the motive. Why, why, why? Why did that person kill that other person? And sometimes there isn't a why or there isn't an easy why. And that frustrates us because there are so many things about ourselves that we don't understand. The mystery man for me, embodies that shadow and those darker parts, those uglier aspects of ourselves that we try to bury, but you'll never be able to bury them. They always come to the surface. Our cruelty and our jealousy and all of those things, 
those things that make us um, uncomfortable, that disturb us about ourselves, they're always there. And they can come to the surface because of different experiences and situations. And what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do when that mystery man appears? And when that part of you comes out, what do you do with those emotions that take you over? And Fred let them in. He let the mystery man in. He let the evil in. He chose the evil. He chose murder. He chose violence. He chose destruction. And then he can't face what he's done. So it's a it's a really interesting film. And those were just a few things that I wanted to talk about. I hope you liked this and I will stop here. Until next time, keep watching great films. Bye for now.